Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for. 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit. 20% off gifts to celebrate the season. And 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC. In stores and online now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military and the other 99% of us we owe them online at americanveteranshow.com here's Stephen Tubbs welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show always appreciate your time especially in such contentious times as of record time we'll have the very latest on the situation in Ukraine between Russian troops and NATO and Of course, United States troops on standby and in the general region. We've got a terrific show ahead, as always. Coming up in our next segment, we want to kind of go back to one of our greatest hits because he is a Colorado World War II veteran, and he's just about to celebrate his 107th birthday. A few years ago, we had a chance to visit Sergeant Harold Nelson, what an incredible interview that was, and we'll take you back. Go down memory lane as the birthday boy gets ready to celebrate number 107. Can't wait to share that with you. Also later in the program, we look at Camp Amache in the southeastern portion of Colorado, just 10 miles from the Kansas border. Well, this weekend is a big one for commemorating a very ugly time in our history, Franklin Roosevelt's Executive Order 9066, which put Japanese Americans in internment camps, one right here in Colorado. We'll have that coming up in segment three. And we wrap up the program today talking with our friends at Warrior Now about a big gala that they have coming up the 1st of April and their target to end veteran suicide. So a great program ahead. We are glad you're with us. Couldn't do programs like this without our presenting sponsor, attorney John Boson and his team fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. Bosonlaw.com. That's B-O-E-S-E-N, Bosonlaw.com. Their number, 303-999-9999. We begin with the latest, again, as of record time, On the situation in Ukraine, late last week, the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, at the United Nations in New York, addressing the U.N. Security Council. I am here today not to start a war, but to prevent one. The information I presented here is validated by what we've seen unfolding in plain sight before our eyes for months. And remember that while Russia has repeatedly derided our warnings and alarms as Melodrama and nonsense, they have been steadily amassing more than 150,000 troops on Ukraine's borders, as well as the capabilities to conduct a massive military assault. And Russia hasn't only been hearing from us. The international chorus has grown louder and louder. If Russia doesn't invade Ukraine, then we will be relieved 
that Russia changed course and proved our predictions wrong. That would be a far better outcome than the course we're currently on. And we'll gladly accept any criticism that anyone directs at us. As President Biden said, this would be a war of choice. And if Russia makes that choice, we've been clear, along with allies and partners, that our response will be sharp and decisive. President Biden reiterated that forcefully earlier this week. From last Thursday at the United Nations, the Secretary of State. The Russian government can announce today, with no qualification, equivocation, or deflection, that Russia will not invade Ukraine. State it clearly. State it plainly to the world. And then demonstrate it by sending your troops, your tanks, your planes back to their barracks and hangars and sending your diplomats to the negotiating table. While Anthony Blinken was at the United Nations across the Atlantic in Brussels, the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin last Thursday, well, he wrapped up the NATO Defense Ministerial Meeting and he met with reporters after. I joined the United States Army in the middle of the Cold War. And I have served and fought alongside NATO allies for the better part of my adult life. But I can honestly say that I have never seen the alliance more relevant and more united and more resolute than I see it today. Mr. Putin says that he doesn't want a strong NATO on his western flank. He's getting exactly that. Of course, Vladimir Putin was was topic A. The 150,000-plus troops, many thought last week, well, there's some Russian troop movement. Maybe they're now ending whatever that they wanted to do and show the world, right? Well, at the end of last week, we found out that, well, there was movement. There was an additional 7,000 Russian troops that went on the border with Ukraine. Ukraine does not threaten anyone let alone its Russian neighbors. And yet, that is what Moscow would have us believe. And that is how Mr. Putin continues to justify his assembly of significant combat power. Later on this segment, we'll play you through an interpreter, Vladimir Putin, from last week. There is no doubt the man seems, at least at this point, to be acting like a madman. We'll talk about that straight ahead. The NATO Secretary General also addressed not only the delegation in Brussels, but spoke to the world this past week. So we are concerned that uh, Russia is trying to stage a pretext for an armed attack against Ukraine. Um, it is still uh, uh, no clarity, no certainty about the Russian intentions. We don't uh, know what will happen, but what we do know is that Russia has amassed uh, the biggest uh, force we have seen in Europe Europe for decades. Now, maybe an editorial comment here, but you can just hear in his voice the intensity. Because I think if you are following this story closely, you do realize that maybe this is is not going to be World War III, but obviously it's incredibly serious. And from these uh, elected officials, appointed officials, and, and anybody following this in positions of power, they realize... We are at, seemingly, the 11th hour. Today, Allies confirmed that NATO's door remains open. Any decision on NATO's membership is for NATO allies and aspirant countries to take, nobody else. 
The right uh, of each nation to choose its own path is absolutely uh, fundamental for European and transatlantic security, and it must be <coughs> respected. NATO allies um, restated their strong support for the sovereignty and territorial integrity uh, of both Georgia and Ukraine. We cannot accept a return to an age of spheres of influence, where big powers bully, intimidate or dictate to others. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> there can be no decisions about Ukraine without Ukraine, and no decisions about Georgia without Georgia. We agreed that in times of tension, dialogue is even more important. NATO remains open to engaging with Russia in good faith. Allies are ready to sit down with Russia in the NATO-Russia Council, address a wide range of issues and find common ground. The NATO Secretary General. And from this past week, through an interpreter, Russian President Vladimir Putin. Our generation have a hard time imagining any kind of war in Europe. And it's been said about the situation in Ukraine. But we witnessed war in Europe that was started by NATO against Yugoslavia. Large-scale military operation with uh, missile strikes on one of European capitals on Belgrade. It happened with no sanctions from the Security Council of the United Nations Organization. It's a bad example, but it happened. We've said before on the program, may cooler heads prevail and may diplomacy work. Again, nothing's happened yet. We'll keep you, of course, posted. On a much lighter note, next segment, we celebrate a great Coloradan. He's about to turn 107 years old. I had a chance to visit with him in his house that he first purchased way back in the 1950s Sergeant Harold Nelson. We'll talk with him coming up next and get you kind of back to memory lane and just an incredible American and incredible Colorado lighten things up. Stefan Tubbs with you. We continue in a moment. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. American Veteran Show. Here's Stefan Tubbs. Sure glad you're with us on this Sunday. We'll have the latest on Ukraine, of course, on our regular program Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and an update next week on the program right here. We're going to put a smile on your face. At least that's our attempt. I want to give you just a really brief background of why my memory was jogged. Oh, yeah, it's February, right around February, March. One of my favorite World War II veterans that I've had a chance to interview in the great state of Colorado. He's got a birthday coming up. I had forgotten, and I see Congresswoman Lauren Boebert's tweet last week. And who is she with? An early birthday celebration for Harold Nelson, United States Army Sergeant. He's about to turn 107 years old. Three years ago, ahead of his 104th birthday, I had a chance to sit down in his house, talk about amazing things. We did an entire veteran show on Sergeant Nelson. Let's take you back to just a few years ago. 
Oh, thank you for coming. Tell me where you were December 7th, 1941, when the United States was thrust into World War II. I was having breakfast at the, uh, uh, in the Army in Tacoma, Washington, Fort Lewis. And when we got the word that they bombed Pearl Harbor, and they immediately uh, got us together and gave us three rounds of ammunition and headed, sent us into the mountains. Uh, because the enemy was supposed to have a submarine out at a uh, out offshore, to, uh, they were going to shell uh, to Fort Lewis, Washington. So they got us out of there. But I guess there wasn't any submarine. And you were pretty cold, weren't you? Oh, pretty froze to death. Even though it wasn't freezing, we were we weren't used to sleeping out in the hills. Yeah, you had, what, three rounds of ammunition and one blanket? Three rounds of ammunition and one blanket. <laughs> that, I don't know. How, we had to be a pretty good shot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to take down a sub, but thank goodness it wasn't there. I mean, your military career, I know Camp Roberts very well from going to school in Central California, Central Coast of California. You were there, Fort Leavenworth. You were a, a lot of places before you entered North Africa. Well, I was in Camp Roberts to do my... My uh, initial training for nine months before I was sent to Fort Lewis, Washington. Gotcha. You then go to San Diego, then you go back east, and then you head to. You had. Did you know where you were going? A lot of people. It was always destination unknown. We didn't know where we were going till we got on the ship and was halfway across the ocean. They told us and what we had to do. And where were you going? Well, we had a train to go down our uh, rope ladders off the ship to to get into Higgins' boats, which wasn't easy when the water was rough. Several of my men got broken legs, but I came out okay. I fell into the boat. So I, <laughs> if, if you ever tried climbing down a, a cargo net off of a ship in rough waters, you know, it isn't easy. <laughs> I imagine it's very tough. Again, we are talking with Staff Sergeant Harold Nelson. He is a World War II veteran with just an amazing story as we come to you this week's edition of the American Veteran Show from his home here in North Denver. Let me ask you where that destination unknown ended up being, what, Morocco? We ended up in the French Morocco at Rabat, Africa. Uh, we were landed in, in uh, Higgins boats. Had you even ever heard of Morocco? Uh, did I ever hear of Morocco? I never knew where Morocco was. <laughs> <laughs> and you found that you were there. What did you guys do? Did you encounter uh, any enemy fire right away? What was that like? No, we never. In, uh, uh, my platoon didn't encounter any enemy fire, but we had a. Uh, we landed on coral rocks. And if anybody knows what they are, they're just like a steeple in, a, in the ocean. A lot of my men hurt their legs, and we all got wet. But there was no enemy fire until the next couple of days. And what was what was that like? Well, it was just about marching towards Jabot, Africa, uh, and, and uh, wait for the enemy. So, other than that, 
the the Germans are shelling us from the Jean Bort and the the battleship Jean Bort and our and the Richelieu. That was probably the only uh, uh, enemy problem we had was the shelling from uh, the uh, German ships. I I I dug in behind a, a, a tombstone in a graveyard when they were shelling, and I, and I wondered if that guy down underneath me knew how he saved my life. <laughs> He probably didn't. <laughs> yeah, he probably didn't. But as you continue this, I mean, did you feel like you had enough training to kind of go into that theater of battle? Well, not really. Yeah, of course, none of us knew what it was. That war was all about until you actually get into the fighting. That's when you learn what the war is about. Were you ever? Frightened for your life, and I know we'll get into we'll get into the fact that you know you you were injured multiple times. I think you took a bullet to the helmet. Uh, we'll talk about that. But when you when you feel that war experience for the first time, it's got to be something else. Well, I was scared to death most of the time, but couldn't do much else. I had to live out in the open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a roof over my head for four hours one night in two years in, in a school in, in Casablanca. <laughs> you had an experience with General Patton, correct? Tell me about that. Well, I'd like to tell him, but he's not here anymore. On his return, Americans showed their gratitude. In General Pershing's words, it didn't hurt America to have a general so bold that he was dangerous. Los Angeles went all out in its reception. With him was General Doolittle, whose Eighth Air Force in Europe did so much to assure final victory. We were getting ready to uh, load on the LCI number one to invade Sicily. And right, my men and I had had walked 20 miles, actually ran 20 miles in four hours, and my men were going up the gangplank, and uh, Patton says, "Gh, can't you give your men some orders? They look like they're all pooped out." I had a notion to tell him, sir. They are pooped out. We ran 20 miles and you rode in that in the dum-dum deep. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't say it. (laughs) I was going to say, you had the the wherewithal to hold those words back. (laughs) Do what? You you held those words back. Yeah. (laughs) Patton was a good soldier, good general. What do you remember about him, specifically being in his presence? Well, what I remember about him, he 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 knew he he knew how to fight a war, uh, and was very strict, which was good. Although a lot of people didn't like him because I had no problems with him. <laughs> did you ever did you ever see the dog? Did I ever see the what? The dog. His dog. No, his dog. He never had a dog with him. Celebrating the birthday at 107 years old. He was born in 1915. Just amazing. Hope you enjoyed that as a few years ago, had a chance to sit down with Mr. Nelson in his home 
in Denver. Happy birthday, sir. When we come back, our next segment, we talk Camp Amache. And yesterday, a terrible anniversary. But we commemorate it because you cannot cancel history. It was 80 years ago yesterday, Franklin Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066, putting Japanese-Americans in internment camps, one of them in the state of Colorado. We'll have that next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. Last week on the regular program, we went uh, in-depth on talking about a Senate bill that eventually passed, making Campamache here in Colorado, adding it to the national park system. Now, it still has to receive a presidential signature, but this site, just yesterday, by the way, the 80th anniversary of Franklin Roosevelt's Executive Order 9066, This is near Grenada in southeastern Colorado and about 10 miles from the Kansas border. Overall, 7,500 Japanese Americans were removed from their homes in the 1940s. Camp Amache here in Colorado open from 1942 to 1945. But because this last week was so historic, wanted to take a look back. We've touched on this issue before on the program, but here's just a brief history lesson. On December 7, 1941, the Empire of Japan launched an attack on the U.S. naval base at Pearl Harbor. In the following months, hundreds of thousands of Japanese Americans were rounded up and sent to internment camps under suspicion of disloyalty to the United States. But the feelings that paved the road to internment began long before the attack. For more than 80 years, Asian immigrants were viewed as economic threats spurring various laws that effectively banned them from the country. For those who made it to America, the lingering resentment culminated after Pearl Harbor. Motivated by vocal outcries from politicians and military officials, FDR signed Executive Order 9066, empowering the U.S. Army to designate areas from which any or all persons may be excluded. He later formed the War Relocation Authority to establish 10 permanent camps housing nearly 120,000 Japanese Americans, mostly from the Western United States. Two-thirds of those interned were native-born American citizens. With only six days to dispose of their possessions, residents were forced to sell their belongings and even their homes for small sums of money. Internment camps were often situated in isolated deserts, prone to harsh weather and surrounded by barbed wire and guard towers. Within the barracks, internees lived in small one-room apartments with little privacy and constant surveillance. They were only given a standard army cot, blankets, and a small heating stove. Despite these difficult living conditions, internees tried to establish a sense of community, creating newspapers, schools, churches, and farms. Even in the face of persecution, 
young men came forth to join the military. Nearly 33,000 Japanese Americans served during World War II, many of whom became highly decorated for their valor in battle. Yet as the war continued, public opinion worsened against Japanese Americans. Only 35% of the country thought they should be allowed home once the war was over. This sentiment kept the camps open for over three years. On December 17, 1944, the government announced that Japanese-American evacuees could return to their homes. When they did return, they found their homes looted and their possessions gone. With work almost impossible to come by, many fell homeless and destitute. At the time, the federal government offered no assistance for those attempting to rebuild their lives. It would take over 40 years before President Ronald Reagan signed the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, paying reparations to each victim of internment. No payment can make up for those lost years. So what is most important in this bill has less to do with property than with honor. For here, we admit a wrong. Here, we reaffirm our commitment as a nation to equal justice under the law. That from the History Channel. Again, if you're just joining us, yesterday marked the 80th anniversary of such a dark time in the United States. And of course, it's easy for us now, decades later, to say that was absolutely unequivocally the wrong thing to do. And a lot of people thought it was back in the day. But obviously, decades later, and history has such a way of making it just a little bit easier to say that was a good idea, this was a bad idea, but it was a horrible idea. In fact, two-thirds of the internment camps were filled with actual U.S. citizens. Here's some of them. My parents, upon leaving, they lost their restaurant. That was their livelihood. I saw my father cry because for 20 years, he worked so hard, it just took everything out of him. They told us um, you could have one suitcase. We first went to what was called an assembly center. There was four of us in, in this one horse's stall. Uh, this is um, our family number that we are assigned to. We have to keep it on our clothing. We had to wear this wherever we went, especially when we are assigned to different places. We got on a train, and they had it, all the blinds closed. We couldn't open it up and we ended up in Utah and they assigned us a barracks. There were these guard towers where sentries were stationed with their firearms. My brother was in the army. He was fighting over there in Italy in southern France and his, and his mother and father and his younger son is in a camp. So when I got into high school, I 
felt uh, very strongly of assimilation, and so I joined the Junior Statements Club, the German Club, the high school band, and the a cappella choir. I did feel I had to approve my Americanness. I wanted to just blend into the woodwork and not make any waves or anything. When the Korean War started in 1950. I uh, enlisted in the U.S. Army and um, served um, my three years to prove my loyalty. I don't think I ever felt that I should prove my, my American feelings of loyalty. I was born an American and I was everything that I, I read and studied and learned was that I was an American. Well, right now they're talking about Muslims. They're not, they don't want Muslims to come in, you know. But I don't think that's right. What's happening to the uh, Muslims right now is it's really close to um, the hearts of the Japanese Americans because uh, it happened to us. Especially during a crisis, uh, people forget the Constitution and what it guarantees for everyone. And so we have to be on guard constantly. Otherwise, some of these people will take over and uh, make it difficult for certain people. Again, Camp Amache, it needs to uh, go through a few more hoops in D.C. than the president's signature, but this former Japanese internment camp in Colorado that became, by the way, the 10th largest city at the time in the state of Colorado. Just amazing. This needs a presidential signature. The bill was uh, put up by Senator Michael Bennett, did eventually receive bipartisan support after, as you can imagine, a little bit of bickering. May we never see anything like that in the country ever again as we look at the good, the bad, and certainly the ugly. Yesterday, the 80th anniversary of Executive Order 9066. We'll wrap up the program coming up. There's a big gala in just a few months. We will preview that for you. Coming up next, this is the American Veterans Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to our final segment this weekend on the American Veteran Show, and I love to support local nonprofits, and there really overall has not been an issue more important to me in supporting our veterans in active duty than the issue of suicide. And coming up on Friday, April 1st, 6 to 10 p.m. at the beautiful Wings Over the Rockies uh, Center and Museum. It is the End Veteran Suicide Gala, and it's uh, put on by Warrior Now. And 
uh, Army specialist from 03 to 2011. Brian Johnson joins us, and he's been on the program before, a couple of years back. And, brother, again, thank you for your service, and it's great to have you on. Talk about this event coming up, and we'll certainly give people information on how they can attend uh, there at Wings. So thanks again for the time. Thank you. And, yeah, thanks for having us on and blasting this out. Obviously, veteran suicide is a hot topic, and that's what this whole gala is about. It's about raising funds for our efforts, for our suicide prevention efforts. So the gala itself, April 1st, uh, at Wings Over the Rockies. Uh, you can visit warriornow.org to, to purchase tickets or to become a sponsor. Uh, I really want to talk about that issue of veteran suicide, though, and why we're doing this. I mean, we all know the numbers. They're staggering. We're, we're 52% more likely to commit suicide than our civilian counterparts. Out of the 22 a day, and that study uh, changed, it varies, 17 to 22 veterans are killing themselves on a daily basis. Out of that number, only four, or 14 are not even seeking help. Mm. Over 50% of the veterans that kill themselves not, are not seeking help with the VA or any other service. So what we've done with our organization is, is we're going boots on ground. We're going door-to-door, basically, and we're getting these, these vets, these guys and gals that are, that are just suffering in silence getting them out of isolation, bringing them into the community, teaching them linkage, getting them the treatments that they need, and putting them back into a community where they can actually be successful and thrive. I love it. I'm going to read from uh, one of the bits of information on the event. Uh, Warrior Now presenting the End Veteran Suicide Gala, again, at Wings Over the Rockies, Friday, April 1st. WarriorNow.org is the website to go to, by the way. Every donation, every ticket purchased, and any sponsorship that comes in is tax-deductible. Warrior now a 501c3. So keep that in mind. But I want to read uh, a little bit about uh, what you guys have online, and it goes as follows. Not every injury is visible, and for many of our brave and courageous heroes, these injuries have led to suicide. The numbers are staggering and require an all-hands-on-deck approach in order to combat veteran suicide. Warrior Now is working with our community to provide peer mentorship, recreational therapies, and transitional coaching, and it goes on. And again, man, kudos to you guys. In a nutshell, Warrior Now, I mean, you if you had your way when it comes to veteran suicide, obviously we'd never have this conversation, but it is real, and we've had you on the program before talking about this, and it sounds like it, it, the numbers haven't really gone down, Brian. They, I don't believe they have. In fact, I, do, I think they've increased because we don't actually include numbers like reckless behavior into the, that suicide number. And more often than not, we're finding our, our vets are, are engaging in some of this reckless behavior like suicide by cop, uh, car accidents, hiking ex- uh, accidents, mm-hmm. falling off cliffs that we're, we're finding out were actually suicide attempts. Uh, and it's, it's just not getting better. Um, and the other part that's, that's really troublesome is the number of veterans is actually decreasing, but the ratio is increasing in suicide. So we really do have to do more. And I'm a suicide attempt survivor myself. Most of my team that, that's with Warrior Now are all suicide attempt survivors. And it's just, it's tough because we were all there. And we all found something like Warrior Now that actually helped us get out of that rut, which is why we created this organization. WarriorNow.org, our guest, United States Army veteran Brian Johnson, served from 2003 to 2011. Uh, again, this, this gala coming up on Friday, April 1st. Uh, find out more at that website, WarriorNow.org. But again, you get the tax write-off. It's a formal dress, uh, live and silent auctions. They're going to have entertainment. 
Uh, VIP experiences are available, and uh, what's really cool is a flight simulator. It's one seventy-five for a single ticket, couples for two seventy-five, and a VIP ticket for two fifty. All of the uh, information again on that website. Uh, you don't have to go into detail. You don't have to answer anything. But I'm wondering for you, Brian, um, what was the turning point where you're like, you know what? My life is worth living. You make that decision. You make that choice. You make differences and changes in your life. But then look at you. I mean, you're you're now trying to help others. What was that turning point? It was purpose. Uh, one of the things that, we, that when we separate from service, we lose structure, camaraderie, and purpose. And, and having that brought back into my life uh, after years of, of not having it, it really changed me. Uh, and it, it gave me back that cloak of service, service that we, all of us vets do, we love. I mean, we didn't join. Most of us joined because we, we have that service mindset. We want to be a part of a team, something bigger than ourselves. And we want that purpose and that structure. And that really was what pulled me out of it. It was a mentor. Uh, it, was, it was somebody that got me out of my rut that pulled me back into linkage, into the community. And got me back into the treatments that I needed. Um, yeah, that's really what it comes down to. Well, I would assume that you you feel that change and and purpose and all of that, and then you're like something clicked, and, and you realize number one, I know you know this is you're you're sadly you you weren't alone in those thoughts, but then you take the extra step, and I guess the proof is in you turning it around. That I would assume you want to uh, certainly reach out to others and and make that difference. Absolutely. And it takes an event like this, which is outside the norm. I understand how how sensitive the word suicide is, and and we get it, but we also have to normalize that conversation. So we do want people to understand the purpose behind this event. Uh, And for your listeners, all caps, GALA2022 uh, is a discount coupon code that they can use uh, to join us at the GALA. Nice. So, so Gala G A L A twenty twenty two is a discount code. So that's cool. And can you plug that in from the information at WarriorNow.org? Absolutely. So when you go there, you'll be able to click the the register here button. And when you're going through filling out the uh, the uh, the registration for the event, it'll say apply coupon code all caps Gala twenty twenty two. Before I let you go, and, you know, you guys are more than welcome anytime uh, on the American Veteran Show. We'll have you coming up in the weeks ahead on our regular program as well. But uh, speak right now because there is the possibility right now you're listening or, you know, somebody's listening to you and, and me and they're going, yeah, I've heard this stuff before and maybe the eye roll or whatever. But you are living proof that. Um, there are better days ahead, but speak to that one veteran that may be skeptical, and you know, hopefully, we can convince them. You know, come on out. I'll, I'll speak directly to them. I'll tell you this: we lost seven thousand and fifty-seven troops in the uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom War. We lost seven thousand and fifty-seven troops in action since the beginning of the post 9-11 war we've lost 30,100 or 1,777 troops to suicide we've lost four times more troops to suicide than we did killed in action Mm. it's an issue we got to start standing up together build better community and and yes i need we need support of the gallets for us to be able to provide these services brother you're you're a hero to me and to many and uh here's to you know what 
tackling, addressing. First, you got to first you got to address it. You know, I mean, the first thing in recovery is you know you got to admit you you have an issue or a problem, right? And and you've hit right. it head on. And I just uh, again kudos to you. We're going to do our best to get folks to the Warrior Now End Veteran Suicide Gala. Uh, coming up again Friday, April 1st, and it's at Wings Over the Rockies. All of the details, warriornow.org, and that coupon code is all caps, GALA2022. Brother, until we talk again on the regular program, a salute to you, and, and thank you so much for your sacrifice, and especially what you're doing now. And you as well, sir. Brian Johnson, United States Army veteran from 03 to 2011. I'm telling you, the guy knows what he's talking about. Not to shame and guilt, but let's let's make it to where it's front and center as a discussion, and we deal with it, and that number drops to, how about zero? WarriorNow.org. That's all the time we have for today's program. Thank you for listening. For producer Matt Steinkruger, I'm Stefan Tubbs. Have a terrific week ahead. Pray for peace, and remember our troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteransShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veterans Show. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.